0: Stephen was part of the lead team here with Bruna and um, his wife and uh, Rachel and I and Chris and Debbie and uh, you know, St- Stephen has a real heart for the body here. Uh, it's been wonderful to watch what God has done in his life over the last while, and I know that what he's got this morning he's thought about quite a bit and prayed about, and, and I know his heart is for us all to grab that. So why don't we open up our hearts, could we, and uh, hear what? Uh, what the Lord wants to say to us. God, I just thank you for Stephen. Thank you, Lord, for his heart, for his stature, God, and you, for his stature in this house, God, uh, for, um, Lord, his, his, his overseeing, uh, uh, Lord, gift and grace that you've given him for this church. And Lord, I just pray that out of that heart, Lord, uh, your heart, Lord, you the great shepherd who's given him, Lord, a, a, the heart of a shepherd, God, that as he shares, Lord, you flow from that place, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you. the
1: clicker thing here, isn't it? I uh, <coughs> right, Lynn, that was that was great. I'm really, I really always encouraged to hear... People's stories, and I think as I shared, maybe when I was doing one of the interviews a couple of weeks ago, when when you open your heart up like that and make yourself vulnerable, it opens other people's hearts, and I think that's a, something very warming about you that you maybe have that quality to, to maybe to probe deeper and. and expose somebody's heart maybe a lot quicker than, than a lot of us would have, so uh, and three hardships that, that you've been through, or any of us have been through, can be the birth of a ministry, and you're uniquely qualified to talk to people in that situation that others aren't, so bless you, appreciate you making yourself vulnerable like that, Len, so <coughs> the, the series that we've been looking on the Holy Spirit over the last four weeks, and Ali and Chris have been Speaking about the uh, the person of the Holy Spirit, the, per- the Holy Spirit isn't just a force. His feelings, he can be grieved, he can be quenched. The importance of walking in the Spirit and not gratifying the, the desires of the flesh that we've been heard of the last four weeks. So we don't know with the summer, people are away on holidays and maybe dipping in and out and haven't haven't followed the whole series. But today, we want to move on to the fruit of the Spirit. In Galatians 5, love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, and self-control. Different translations, NIV, King James, have maybe different ways of wording these. So I have probably taken, uh, if this doesn't line up exactly with your version, don't be panicking, i am sort of taken different words that I think would maybe portray better what, what I want to get out this morning. So uh, what I hope to cover this morning is, depending on time, we'll be taking a look at the fruit of the Spirit. But before that... I want to take a look at the Spirit in our lives before we actually come to Christ, the work of the Spirit in our lives through that process of salvation, and then maybe look briefly at love, joy, and peace, and possibly the works of the flesh, but we'll see what way things go time-wise. So just to lay to lay a foundation, I'm going to go off-topic, as I say, and leave the fruit of the Spirit for the time being, try and lay a foundation of the Spirit's work in our lives. So... We can see right from the beginning, I think Chris shared this verse a few weeks ago, Genesis 1, to 1-2. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Now the earth was formless and empty, and darkness was over the surface of the deep, and the Spirit of God was hovering over the waters. So we can see right from the beginning of creation, the Spirit is at work. So way before uh, anything from the first point in, in time, recognized times we know it, the Spirit of God was, was at work. From then on... The, the Bible, through the fall of Adam and Eve, and the Bible is really a love story of God pursuing man. Uh, it's God's heart that he would be in a covenant relationship with you and with me, and God's not willing that any should perish, but all should come to repentance. If anybody here has done Ignite, <clears throat> just all he was talking about Ignite, if anybody is thinking of doing Ignite, I would seriously consider it... I, Ignite has been run for four years. I was involved with it for the first three years. It wasn't last year just because of the formation of the poor Down church and what have you. But the first semester in Ignite, Ali would speak a lot on the God story and the father heart of God and really see how God has pursued man and, and his heart is for that relationship <laughs> with us. So, moving on to Psalm 139 For you created my inmost being, you knit me together in my mother's womb. I praise you because I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Your works are wonderful, I know that full well. My frame was not hidden from you when I was made in a secret place. When I was woven together in in the depths of the earth, your eyes saw my unformed body. And that is why we were saddened by the abortion vote down south not so long ago, because God's eyes saw our unformed body. In, and when we were just a bunch of cells in our mother's womb, God had his hand on us even then. We can't, we can't get away from God's spirit. Jonah tried. Um, where can I go from your spirit? As we know, Jonah, Jonah ran when he had to go to Nineveh. I probably would have run myself because Nineveh wasn't a very happy, happy place to go to. It was a, quite a hostile place, but God sent a big fish, brought him back. Psalm, the psalmist writes in 139, Where can I go from your spirit? Where can I flee from your presence? If I go up to the heavens, you are there. If I make my bed in the depths, you are there. If I rise on the wings of the dawn and settle on the far side of the sea, even there your hand will guide me and your right hand will hold me fast. God's eternal purpose is not just to populate heaven. God is building a body of people into Christ's likeness to be His bride. Revelation nineteen seven. Let us rejoice and be glad and give the glory for Him. <coughs> glory to Him, for the marriage of the Lamb has come and His bride has made herself ready. And we have a responsibility in that, in making ourselves ready for for Christ's return. So even though, even though God created us, He was there at the beginning when we were being formed. We were still born outside of a relationship with Him because of the sin in our lives and there's nothing that we can do to make God love us more Romans 5, 8 God demonstrates his love his own love for, for us in this while we were still sinners that Christ died for us so it's when that Ali had alluded to in, in the verse that he shared it's when we were in that state that we didn't deserve God's love it was then that he, he died for us in Ephesians I'm going to just fly through these verses sort of quickly here uh, <clears throat> Ephesians 2, 4 and 5 but because of his great love for us, God, who was rich in mercy, made us alive in Christ. God made us alive in Christ. When we were dead in transgressions, it's by grace you have been saved. John six forty four. No one can come to the Father unless the Father who sent me draws him, and I will raise him up in the last day. It's because of God that we exist, and it's because of God that we can come into relationship with him. You may have seen this, uh, the address on the computer, such as such my computer skills. <clears throat> I don't want a spurt of, spur of jealousy rising up on anybody, right? So <laughs> uh, so you may have seen this diagram used in evangelism. and a, you know, We're on one side and God's on the other, and there's nothing that we can do to get to God all our works all our prayers all our church attendance no matter what we do we can't get to get to God so then we draw in the cross Jesus said I am the way the truth and the life no one comes to the father but by me and it's only through Christ's work on the cross that we can have that relationship with with God God the father so but that that diagram isn't particularly accurate that's probably a more accurate diagram because, again, wonderful computer skills. Uh, the, the journey from birth to Christ isn't always a smooth one, you know. So, the spirits working our lives in that process is is crucial to our coming to Christ. Um, you've probably heard. I know I've heard different people giving their testimonies and maybe saved later in life or even twenties, thirties, forties, fifties. And quite often, when people are saved and they see what Christ has done in their life and come into that relationship, it's then that they can actually see that God's hand was on them, even back through difficult circumstances, through trials, through tribulations, and they can see then how God's spirit was on them, His hand was on them, drawing them, drawing them to Himself. So um, I don't even think that's the full picture, but I'm going to come back to that later on. But the thing, the thing that we, we can remember in evangelism and reaching out to people we can never ever convince anybody that jesus is who he is and that takes a lot of weight of responsibility off us in trying to get into debates and i'm not saying don't debate because you should be able to give a reason for your faith but it's only god that can reveal himself in matthew 16 when jesus asked the disciples who do you say i am simon peter answered you are the messiah son of the living god and jesus replied Blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah, for this was not revealed to you by flesh and blood, but by my Father in heaven. So, it's only God can reveal himself to people. Uh, it's for our responsibility to share the message and open up people's hearts. You can only get saved and come into a relationship with Christ through an encounter with the Holy Spirit. John the Baptist was uh, famous for calling people into repentance, and I want to just take a quick look at the Beatitudes. And and show you the that process of of salvation. <coughs> Matthew five. Anybody's following along in their Bibles. Matthew five, known as the Sermon on the Mount, where Jesus uh, Jesus speaks the the masses of the Beatitudes. So I just want to sort of expound on these a wee bit because I think this is actually key and foundational before we get to the fruit of the Spirit. This process in our lives is, is the foundation of where that fruit comes from. So, blessed are the poor and spirit. Who are the poor in spirit? The poor and spirit are those who recognize that they are outside of that relationship with God. Nicodemus, as you remember, in John chapter 3, he came to Jesus one night. He was a member of the Jewish ruling council. And uh, he, was, he was talking to Jesus, and Jesus said to him, uh, <clears throat> that you cannot see the kingdom of God unless you are born again. And then he said, "You have to be." Jesus said, "You have to be born of the flesh and born of the spirit." And Jesus said to him, "You are Israel's teacher, and you don't know these things." And Jesus actually sounded quite surprised. How does a teacher of Israel not know these things? And I always wondered and sort of pondered why was Jesus surprised? The thing is, at that time, Nicodemus's Bible, if you like, would have been what our Old Testament is. And and being a, a teacher, being a, a ruler. In the in the Jewish Realm Council, Nicodemus would have known the Old Testament. So Nicodemus, being born again, is only mentioned in the New Testament, but it's not a New Testament principle. Deuteronomy six. I don't have. I should have had these two up on up on the slides, but I don't have them. Two verses. Deuteronomy six, verse five to six, is love. First, that's the first fruit of the Spirit. love the Lord your God with all your heart and all your soul and all your strength. These commands I give you are to be written upon your heart and Nicodemus would have known that verse. He also would have known the verse Chris shared a couple of weeks ago, Ezekiel 36, 26 to 27, I give you a new heart and I put a spirit in you. I will remove from you your heart of stone and give you a heart of flesh and I will put my spirit in you and move you to follow my decrees and be careful to keep my laws. When we look at the fruit of the spirit, the first one that is mentioned is love, and that's where all the other the, the other fruits come from. So, being pure in spirit, pure in spirit are those who are outside of that relationship with God. The second, blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Comforted. The mourning is coming from a place of conviction of sin. I know as as you pursue God more and and you come into that. You follow know, a relationship with him and get to know him more I find the more you're convicted of the things in your life that aren't fully matching up with what, what he wants so the mourning is coming from the conviction of sin in our lives when we're faced with a holy God who has loved us unconditionally and has pursued us and brought us to that that place where, we're, where, where the sin in our lives is being revealed and we realise it needs dealt with and, and we realise that it can only be dealt with through Christ's work on the cross blessed are the meek for they will inherit the earth Meekness nowadays is probably quite often, you know, thought of as timid and quiet and and that type of thing. But more accurately, here, it, it, the meaning of meekness is, it's like a wild horse that needs broken. I don't know much about horses, but I know on a wild horse, I wouldn't fancy getting on. I wouldn't fancy getting on any horse. only on one once, <laughs> and it took off. And I thought. <clears throat> That's the last time i will ever be on a horse. But I know a wild horse needs broken. And it's like the horse has a will of its own, and the, the horse's master has a will. And it's that process of breaking the wild horse to be submissive to the master. And that's what meekness means here. And it means meekness means to be teachable. And when we come into that relationship uh, with God and, and getting our sin dealt with, we then have a battle of the will between between my will and God's will. And ultimately, when we come into that relationship with Christ, we are actually saying about the rest of our lives what Jesus said in the Garden of Gethsemane, not my will, but your will be done. And meekness is to submit to the will of of God. Moving on then to the last one, blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. When we have been through that process of realizing our depravity outside of God, realizing that sin in our lives and battling with God to deal with that, realizing that it's his will is important and not ours, it's like we are then in a, in a state of being like an empty vessel. And how do you feel when your tummy's empty, when you're, when you're starving, like when you're hungry? You, the hunger will drive you to get something to eat hunger will drive you to get a big feed. So when we are in that state and going through that process, then we are hungry and thirst for righteousness, and we long and pursue more of God. And through that process of conversion and being saved, that will produce Christians that... Don't need told to have to go to the prayer meeting or you should go to the prayer meeting. Don't need convinced you should read your Bible. Don't need convinced that you, you should go to church and be in fellowship or you know be serving, whether it's in church or out in, in the marketplace. Because that process of conversion that will put a hunger in your heart, and that's God's spirit in your heart that will drive you into more of him. And I think sometimes churches can... Sometimes maybe make the mistake of leading people in a sinner's prayer too quickly. I would rather see someone battling over those issues, the sin in their lives, and the, the submitting to God's will. I'd rather see that happen for three, four, five, six months, two years, than get somebody to say, right, say a sinner's prayer, and what you don't actually find in the Bible, and, and then they think they're saved, and then they've no desire to, to fellowship, and no desire to read the Bible, and no desire, no hunger for God, and it's like. Plucking an apple off the tree before it's actually ripe, so that I think is is quite key to when that process has been fully worked out in our hearts. Then that our heart is ripe for the fruit of the spirit to uh, to be revealed. So moving on then to the fruit of the spirit, Galatians five <clears throat> twenty two to twenty three. But the fruit of the spirit is love, joy, peace, long suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith meekness, and self-control, and against such things there are no law. I think when Paul was was writing this, it's not necessarily saying that those are the nine things, and there's nothing else. It's like those those things uh, against such things there is no law. But here here's God's desire for the fruit in your life. This is quite a long passage. Hope everybody can can see it all right. John fifteen one to eight. I am the true vine, and my Father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit, while every branch that does bear fruit he prunes, so that it will be even more fruitful. You are already clean because of the word I have spoken to you. Remain in me as I also remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. I am the vine, and you are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit... Apart from me, you can do nothing. If you remain in me, uh, you are like a branch that is thrown away and withers. Such branches are picked up, thrown into the fire and burned. If you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. This is to my Father's glory that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. The uh, Here's a vine. This isn't in our garden, by the way. I know Bruno was sharing about plucking the hedges out and stuff like that, but we haven't grown this. Uh so in, in that last in that last verse we have fruit and then more fruit and then much fruit. So and that's quite that's quite important. I want to go and explain the, the fruits of the spirit. So here is the vine and the branches. The crux the crux of the matter is the fruit of the spirit is to glorify the Father and show the world that we are His disciples through unity in the church. Now the, one of the key things in that verse I think is we don't have to put all our energy. And all our you know whole desire into producing the fruit, our job is to stay connected to the vine. The fruit is just a natural expression of us staying connected to the vine, so our job is to remain in Christ and he remain in us and through that when that when you get that process right, the fruit 's just a natural expression of that so we went from from fruit to more fruit to much fruit, and it 's god 's desire that we would show much fruit in our lives. Um, so you can split the fruit of the spirit probably up into these three different sections the fruit towards God, love, joy, peace this is probably quite predominantly what we experience when we come to Christ love, joy and peace in our lives fruit towards others long suffering who, uh, who has ever experienced long suffering with someone anybody that's married let me know what that means No, I'm only joking no I'm not uh, <laughs> Long suffering, gent- she slagged me. I'm slagging bro. Long suffering gentleness and goodness is predominantly what what uh, the fruit of the spirit in our lives towards others and then towards for ourselves, faith, meekness, and self control. the uh, The fruit of the spirit really is love. Love is the fruit of the spirit, and the others are uh, actually coming out of that. You can see that love is so love in ourselves when when we come into that. Love and relationship with God and love is consumed in our lives. It's like love hitting the prison and love, joy, peace, long suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, making self control is the outward progressive expression of love in our lives. And uh, you know, as as we heard last week, one of the one of the deepest theological statements I think I have ever heard that God's not base; He's rainbow. So, <laughs> and that's like the rainbow of, of uh, the expression of the fruit in our lives coming out. But and. When we go back even to, to the last verse, whenever the the Pharisees were asking Jesus, what is the greatest commandment? And Jesus said, Love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, and all your mind. So towards God, love, joy, and peace. And then he answered another question that he wasn't asked. And the second is like it. Love your neighbor, long-suffering gentleness, goodness, as yourself, faith, meekness, and self-control. Jesus basically summed up the fruit of the Spirit in answering the Pharisees uh, about what is the greatest commandment. So how do we stay connected to the vine, and how do you go from fruit to more fruit to much fruit? In response to that question, I would probably ask, what's your prayer life like? And what's your time in the Word like? What's your time with other believers like? And what's your private life like? Because I think who we are in private is actually who we really are. They're saying predominantly we experience love, joy, and peace um, when we come into that relationship with Christ, and it's like love. You can I mean you can expound that probably uh, for for a few weeks, but. The, the, the fruit of the Spirit are outward expressions of the progressive love in our lives. And when In Corinthians 13, when Paul is talking about the gifts of the Spirit, like prophecy in tongues, you'll see in, in chapter 12 he speaks on it, in chapter 14 he speaks on it, but Sam right in the middle. In chapter 13 he talks about love. Love is patient, love is kind, it's not self-seeking, it doesn't envy, it doesn't boast, it doesn't keep a record of wrongs, because love is like the psalmage in, in, in talking about the, the gifts of the Spirit. And uh, without without that in our lives, it, uh, the others really don't don't make much sense at all. Um, joy. Nehemiah eight ten, the joy of the Lord is our strength. When we're bursting with joy, it's like we can we can conquer anything. Last night um, we had Wilson. Is Wilson here? No, we're we'll be here the youth. Wilson was round. Wilson and Leslie Beer was round, and he was talking about being out in South Africa. And when, when the South African church were given their offerings or tithes and offerings, he says they were dancing, giving their tithes and offerings. And sometimes I sit and think, he you know, sort of gave me a wee bit grudgingly, you know, it's sort of hard to let go. But the, the, the Zulu church in South Africa were dancing, giving their giving their offerings. And David in the Bible knew what it was to have that relationship with God. He had the confidence when he to, to run towards Goliath and slay Goliath. Later on, when he saw Bathsheba, he, he noticed her, but his problem then was the second glance. And that second glance led to an affair and led to a, a, a murder and a whole spiral of, of a downward uh, spiral in his life. But in Psalm 51, David's prayer was, Restore unto me the joy of your salvation. David hadn't lost his salvation, but he'd lost the joy of it. And I remember even back in my late teens, just in, in circumstances, and was probably feeling quite down. And I remember just out praying to God and walking across the fields, and I was like, God, restore unto me the joy of your salvation. And maybe that's maybe a prayer that some of us uh, maybe need to pray sometimes whenever we're things when we just aren't feeling as great as we want them to feel or, or not in, in particular brilliant. Uh, circumstances. Maybe praying, restoring to me the joy of your salvation is, is something that is maybe key in somebody's life. Uh, peace. Moving on to peace. Philippians 4, 7. And the peace of God, was all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. And there'll be times when things are sort of coming crashing down and we don't necessarily have that maybe peace in our lives that we would like. And I remember... Uh, now I know I know in this situation and and in this church, as people have been through maybe very difficult circumstances and situations. But I remember when we were going to India, Brona and I were going out to Bible College in India in 2009. Well, in 2008, I was working in Ulster carpets in the town and applied for a career break because we felt when we got married in April, we would go out to to the Bible College and applied for a career break, and they didn't give me it because recession was kicking in, and um, Brona. A couple of months before that in September had started to take a sore back which got increasingly worse. I took redundancy in the December 2008. Bruno went through emergency surgery on her back in January and it was like all this stuff was coming against us when we had made the decision that we're, we're going to go to, to India. We also, Bruno was obviously leaving her house to get married. I was leaving mine. We had no home to come House to come home to. We had no jobs to come home to, so it's like essentially we, we went to Bible college in India, homeless and unemployed. So, but there was a, there was a lady in church pulled me to the side. I went to Craigavon Presbyterian at the time, and pulled me to the side and said, "Stephen, do you really think you're meant to go to India?" And I was like, "Yes," because it was a pace that passed understanding when other people thought we should have been buying a house and putting a deposit down. we were like, you know what? God wants us to go here, and we're going. And, so the fruit those those three fruits of the spirit love joy peace are as i say predominantly what we can experience when we first come to Christ whenever paul was addressing the the issue in the the to the galatians at the start of galatians he was actually he was quite angry because there was when when the converts the gentile converts in the church were being influ, influenced by a group called the Judaizers, who actually were teaching that to be a convert you're not only had to accept jesus into your life but you also had to obey certain jewish laws like circumcision food laws certain jewish uh, days in the calendar and as a church we can be like that as well whenever you have people that, that are saved they've come through different messy lives messy backgrounds different personalities have different views on things the way things should be done and you throw them all together in a church and all of a sudden somebody has a different view on how worship should be done how long the service should be who should be visiting the sick uh, if women should be wearing hats or not if you should be taking communion every Sunday or now and again and all these different views And all the while, Jesus is saying, by this shall all men know that you are my disciples, that you love one another. And it is our responsibility that the fruit of the Spirit is flowing out in the church for the unity of the church. Because the unity of the church is is an evangelical witness to the community. And I think what has happened here in this church is very unique. I know we have talked about it before we have a church from Emmanuel coming to Portadown. we have Vineyard coming, and then we'll have other people coming along from various other churches. And I just think there's a blessing on this church because of the unity that we're, we're experienced. And I think that that's... I don't want to sound like I'm sort of, you know, bumming and blowing about our own church, but I just think it's quite unique in what has happened and, and how it has happened. So... Where do I point this to you? So this, going back to our diagram... I think this is probably a bit more of an accurate description of the spirits working our lives. It can be a bit messy before we come to Christ. And then when we come into our relationship with God, it's not always smooth sailing. And when we come against these challenges and it's when the fruit of the Spirit the fruit of the Spirit wants to uh, the fruit of the Spirit is key in that rocky environment, even coming into our relationship with God. But just moving on, probably the last point I want to finish on is When we aren't necessarily experiencing that love, joy, and peace, that can come as an emotion, but it's a lot deeper than that. Obviously, it's a lot deeper than that. That's where our faith is grounded. But when we maybe start to lose that emotion and get a bit, hit one of these dips, our heart, I believe, is still crying out for love, joy, and peace in our lives. I remember watching Burr Grills when he was out with Jonathan Ross and going out on his adventure, and I mean, it's exciting, and and I mean, I like watching it. But in all reality, I don't even want to sleep in a tent in the garden. <laughs> so, but it's still exciting to watch. But Jonathan Ross was out with Bergrells, and he said something that I thought was very interesting. Jonathan Ross, as far as I know, is an atheist, and he said ultimately in life we're all wanting to be to be loved and to be loved. And I just thought, you know, that is an interesting statement coming from somebody who doesn't have that relationship with God. The problem I think is that we can look for love, joy, and peace in other areas. We can so Paul had to address this in the Galatian church. In Acts or sorry, the Acts Galatians five, nineteen to twenty one, the acts of the flesh are obvious, sexual immorality, impurity and debauchery idolatry and witchcraft, hatred, discord, jealousy, fits of rage, selfish ambition, dissensions, fractions and envy, drunkenness, orgies and the like. And these things can creep into the church and I believe it's because of a longing for love, joy and peace in our lives. These things are evident outside of the church because I think people's hearts are crying out for love, joy and peace. And if these things are are in the church as they are, and there's things in in this list that I have had to deal with in my life, sometimes maybe folks will need people around us as well. Do you know, maybe there's things in your life that you just need to, you know know what I was saying about who we are in private is is actually who we are. you know, and who we are in private, if there's some of these things that are maybe manifesting itself in your life, maybe you need to talk to somebody. And if you need to talk to somebody, there's people here for that, and there's prayer here for that. A lot of these things can be a quick fix, and can be, uh, you know, that that love and that joy can be a, a quick fix. But a lot of times when. We are somebody, you know, we're debating with somebody about does God exist and how can God exist if this happens, if that happens. A lot of times, what they throw up is the problem of pain and suffering. Why is there so much pain and suffering in the world if, if God exists? And while, while that can be answered, I think another question that isn't asked as much, but is probably even more relevant, is the problem with pleasure. Like the prodigal son who wanted his big lump sum of money and went off and had a good time. And ultimately he ended up coming back to his father or the woman at the whale, well, the Sumerian woman at the whale, well, who had been through five relationships and was with another man. And I think that's coming out of a heart that is seeking for, for love, joy and peace. And uh, I think there's so the work the work in the spirit the work of the spirit in our lives, if it's probing something in our hearts that isn't quite right. Or is maybe not sitting comfortably, and uh, or that process of salvation I talked about, there's uh, that can be that can be talked out, folks, and that can be prayed over, and and people can come around you and put their arm around you with that. Whenever, whenever Jesus was was asked about the greatest commandments, and we see that verse in um, Deuteronomy that the the, the commandments be written on our heart. And the Pharisees were trying to obey the Ten Commandments and I shall not kill and I shall not have any other gods before me and you shall make idols and all these things. The thing about the thing about the, putting the spirit on our hearts is it really changes the Ten Commandments into Ten Promises because it's not like, it, right, I'm not allowed to do that, I'm not allowed to do that, I'm not allowed to do that. The thing is God's spirit is in my heart and his character is being formed in my heart and I don't now have the desire to kill and the desire to lie and the desire to steal because god's character is forming my heart that i don't want to do those things that's why this that's why the commandments and that's why the law was to be written on the heart i'll just finish with with a story that'll probably maybe make that a bit more relevant when we went to bible college in india for three months we then went on to malaysia and Singapore just as a bit of a honeymoon, because we, had, we hadn't we had planned to do that, but we'd been out in Bible College for 10 weeks, and it was just to get a bit of time to ourselves. And Singapore is very, a very modern country, and the law is very strict on not throwing rubbish down, no ch- not even allowed chewing gum in the country. They don't sell chewing gum, because of the mess it leaves and the footpaths. So so people obeyed those them laws, and, and as I say, it was very clean, so people didn't really throw rubbish down, and there were well, no options in any chewing gum, it wasn't there. But when, when you drove from Singapore to Malaysia, where those laws weren't really in place, the rubbish went out of the window of the car, because the law didn't change the heart. It just told you, if you do these things, then you'll suffer these consequences. But it was the Spirit of God in the heart that changed the heart. And the fruit of the Spirit, as I said, is the outward expression of that love, progressive love in our hearts, so just before, I want to hand over to Ali just for, can just just finish in prayer. I just think if there's maybe something has has uh, touched people's hearts before we'll come to communion. Father, Lord, I just want to thank you for your word. I want to thank you for the fruit of the Spirit, Lord, that is birthed in love, where you first loved us, Lord. Father, I just pray for the issues that we can face Um in the church, Lord, I pray over these issues that Paul was addressing in the Galatian church. And Father, I want to thank you that you have come to set the captives free, that we don't have to live in bondage, we don't have to live in slavery, but we can live in the liberty that you have given us and set us free from these things, Father. And I just pray as well, Lord, that it is not your will that any should perish, but all should come to repentance. And Lord, we have to pray your promise into being. So I pray for this town, Lord, and I pray for those who don't know you, and I pray for those whose hearts are seeking for love, joy, and peace in other things outside of you. And I pray, Father, that we would be faithful in walking these streets. We would be faithful in praying salvation over this town and over this city, and we'd be faithful, Lord, in praying your will into being. Father, thank you for the authority you've given us. I thank you for the church that you have established here, Lord, and we pray that you will be glorified in the days and weeks ahead, Father, and that many people will come to know you through it. In Jesus' name, amen.